Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Good morning, Kindred. I am so grateful to be here with y'all this morning. We are currently in a sermon series titled Devoted, and we're talking about the foundational practices of the early church and about how to stay true to ourselves and true to our calling during a really challenging season of great uncertainty. And I don't know about y'all, but the only thing certain in my life for the last year has been uncertainty. We're using Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and walking through four characteristics of the early church community. Teaching, shared meals, community, and prayer. And if you have missed either of the last two weeks on keep learning or keep celebrating, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to Pastor Daniel's preaching on those two topics. But the four characteristics of a God-focused life are part of what made the early church successful and sustaining. Learning, which is holding fast to the teaching of of the apostles as they teach the meaning of the gospel lesson. Celebrating, and we talked about two different ways that could be done through the sharing of meals and the Lord's Supper. This week we'll talk about Um, community, and next week we'll be focused on prayer. So when you think about Christian community at its best, what sets it apart? And this is what we'll be thinking about today. But first, let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Let's read again the foundational practices of the early church. Acts 2.42 says, The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. And our focus here is the word community. And in order to tease out what the community of the early church looks like, We both seek out the same word in other scripture passages while also reading non-Christian writing of that time as they reflect on what the early church looks like. The New Testament is mostly written in Greek and the word used here for community is koinonia. I don't say this just to confuse you. Sometimes when we say an English word that's commonplace like community, we have different ideas of what that means. And those are part, maybe, of what koinonia means, but specifically here, we're gonna look at koinonia, at Christian community, and think about that fellowship. Sometimes that's the way it's translated as fellowship, but koinonia refers to the bond that holds the community together. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us a new commandment, that we love one another. And koinonia is the mark of the Christian community that is seeking to keep Jesus's new commandment to love one another as we have been loved by God in Christ. It might help to think about it this way. 
A coin is a common currency in life. And in Christian community, the common currency of God's love teaches us to practice love of neighbor, love of stranger, and even love of enemy. The word koinonia was used to designate not only the communal nature of church life, but the special communion found in the Lord's Supper, which is the center of worship. The writer of 1 Corinthians uses koinonia for the participation in the bread and the cup. Last week, Pastor Daniel referenced Pastor Justin. Could there be more pastors in this sentence? And he said, may this food nourish our bodies and this fellowship nourish our souls. This is also koinonia, the sharing of and sharing in community with others. In the book of Acts, there are two parts to the shared life, spiritual communion and a sharing of possessions. We have read Acts 2, but the dynamics that characterized this group of early Christians is mentioned a second time, just a couple chapters later in Acts 4. Let me read that for you now. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say this is mine about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sale, and place them at the care under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to everyone, to anyone who was in need. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. The oneness of heart and mind. Mind isn't referring to decisions or intellect only. Think heart and soul or heart and being. Being one in heart and mind takes visible expression in the pooling of possessions. The practice of pooling possessions was known among the Essenes and early or certain philosophical groups, so it wasn't totally unheard of at that time. But still, the power of the witness to this shared life, to community, sets the early Christian community apart. I'm currently reading through a book titled The Rise of Christianity with a Small Group. This book is written by a sociologist, Rodney Stark. And through a sociological and historical perspective, the author evaluates how the obscure, marginal Jesus movement became the dominant religious force in the Western world in a few centuries. It's quite a long title. We've just finished this chapter on epidemics. The epidemics that swept through the Roman Empire in the first couple of centuries. They had what we expect was probably a measles epidemic and then a smallpox epidemic. Just one of those was said to have wiped out a quarter of the population. In just a single day, 5,000 people in the city of Rome died. Compare that to our current epidemic of COVID. 
It was quite severe. Christian and pagan writers of the time, pagan's just that kind of placeholder word to talk about groups that aren't Jewish or Christian, both wrote about the stark differences between the early church and the pagan community. And that difference is koinonia. Listen to these words from the author. To be more specific, in the Greco-Roman world, to be part of a Christian or a pagan group was not simply a matter of denominational preference. Rather, the contents of Christian and pagan beliefs were different in ways that greatly determined not only their explanatory capabilities, like to understand why this bad thing is happening, but also their relative capacities to mobilize human resources. Christian doctrine provided a prescription for action. You see, when people were dying from these epidemics, there are accounts of non-Christian people throwing their sick out into the street, sick people, and shutting their doors. There are also accounts written of the Christian community caring for one another and the, that person recovering. There are other accounts written of Christians caring for those who were sick even outside of their faith communities, sometimes to their own detriment. And this kind of care, this new understanding of community made the early church unique in quite visible ways during an incredibly uncertain time. Christian doctrine provided a prescription for action even in this time of epidemic, it does the same. And this is the written prescription that guided the selfless acts of the community for the early church. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about their own possessions. They held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sales and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. What a powerful witness. We have learned about how this shared life was both spiritual communion, one in heart and mind, and a sharing of possessions. This reference to heart and mind is a key principle of faith, and it's from the book of Deuteronomy. This is what it says. Israel, listen. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. I'm going to use mind and being interchangeably here because translators also use them both. All your heart, all your being, all your strength. Love and being are linked. 
to express the highest ideals of Israel in relation to God. The oneness of the believer's hearts and being is seen best in the sharing of possessions. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, wrote about this passage on Acts 4, that the wealthy giving is evidence of grace. This provision for others displays God's reigning attribute, love. Earlier in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, which we'll celebrate as a church in a couple of weeks. And when the Holy Spirit comes, she turns the world upside down. The rich give to the poor. The world upside down. During COVID, America's billionaires got 44% richer while more than 80 million people in the United States lost their jobs. America's billionaires got 44% richer just in this last year of COVID, while 80 million Americans lost their jobs. That's our sad reality. To love is to promote well-being. When the Holy Spirit comes, she turns the world upside down. Some of the ways I have seen this world upside down, there's a couple in our church who chose to cancel their international trips in the year 2019 because they were so excited about the new community called Kindred and wanted to support budding ministries in the church. That's the world upside down. That's devotion. Young PJ, who Pastor Daniel talked about last week, promoted the well-being of kids who were unsheltered by organizing a donation of backpacks and supplies. That's devotion. Parents who, instead of hiring tutors for their own kids' private pods, gave money to the YMCA Service Learning Center that meets in our church building thereby providing internet access for 60 children in Chapel Hill who had no way to log on to their classes before this opportunity. That's devotion. Church members volunteered for vaccine clinics intended for the most vulnerable in our community, even though they themselves were not fully vaccinated. That's devotion. How is God calling us to stay true to ourselves and true to our calling during this challenging season of great uncertainty? God's calling us into Christian community, community that seeks out the well-being of others. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life and you'll be able to see the world upside down. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Kindred Church Podcast. If this episode was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. 
If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.